Hello and welcome to Not Bane Podcast, your weekly rundown of UK politics from a Black millennial view. Every week, join me, Bay, and Corey as we look at Parliament and stories from across the diaspora. Hello, 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 and welcome back to a new season of Not Bane Podcast. We're starting out with a bumper new year, to say the least. The Conservative Party have got a new leader, a new front bench, new cabinet ministers. The Queen has died rather unexpectedly and we're about to have a new um, monarch in the coming year and also the uh, Conservative Party have laid out their mini budget for the country and sent the pound into a free fall so I think it's probably best that we head straight into it. A whirlwind start to the new year it was wasn't it? So, very much so. taking it back, taking it back, taking it back to the 5th of September, 5th of September, the eternal Tory quest to find a new leader finally met its conclusion. It felt like Nobody it was, was going on for absolutely ages, didn't it? God, it was really dragging for a while. And there was a, a scary time when we, everyone thought it might be Kemi Badenoch. Terrifying. Luckily, no. I mean, not luckily, but sorry to carry on. Well, we got to the 5th of September after, yes, uh, a very long and drawn out process to select a new Tory party leader, which I think began at the start of July. So all in all, from Bojo's, from the from that that day when we had every single, it seemed, government minister almost resigning until finding a new leader and confirming a new leader, it was a good two months. So yes, the 5th of September came and nobody was surprised to find that our new prime minister was declared to be Elizabeth Truss herself beating the former Chancellor, Rishi Sunak, to the post. Um, I mean, as... his fall was quite spectacular as well. It just sort of started on a downward spiral and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Terrible Indeed. Time. Indeed, Terrible. it did get worse. It did progressively get worse. He did still end up at the end of the process where they whittled it down to two. He did still get the most MPs nominating him. But when it came to the Tory party faithful, he didn't quite get there. However, in his defence, it was not a drubbing. It wasn't a drubbing that the polls in the previous couple of weeks before the announcement was made made out that it would be um you know it, it wasn't sort of a it wasn't, it wasn't a landslide by any means i think off the top of my head it was about 57 43 i think it was 57 percent, 43 percent. so you know it wasn't it was it was respectable it was respectable and when he you know when he resigns as an mp at the next election and, and swans off to silicon valley to make his millions again uh he yeah. can he can go with his head held high that's yeah. me being cynical you of never course, know he might be a, he know, could be a lot to see someone's very clear ambitions that they've laid out, you know, I'm sure he had the trajectory in his mind. It's like, oh man, did... he really thought he was going to, you know, swing it out of the park first go. So he well, as I said, as I said, I'm being cynical. He could turn out to be a lifelong parliamentarian and, you know, it could be in 30, 40 years. We could still could be seeing Rishi Sunak MP on our TV screens. Yeah. You never know. No one believes that. <sighs> well, yes, but you know, Wonders never cease. Anyway, anyway, moving swiftly on. So that was Monday the 5th that the announcement came. Then we had, you know, the the, the constitutional ceremony on the, the next day, the Tuesday. Uh, the Queen, her late majesty now, was staying up in Scotland. So Bojo had to get on a plane and fly up to Scotland and basically say, uh, Mom, I'm out. And immediately following that, Liz got on a plane and got herself up to Scotland as well and said, Mom, I'm in. Well, rather was invited by Mom to say, I'm in. And, uh, and she was invited to form a government, the 15th and final Prime Minister of Queen Elizabeth II, because two days later, she passed away on the 8th. So that was quite the three days. Monday, new Prime Minister. Tuesday, 
pomp and ceremony, invited to form a government. And we woke up Thursday morning to reports of palace medical staff, quote, concerned for the Queen's health. Um, and it became pretty apparent as the day uh, wore on that things were not um it wasn't a simple, she didn't have a cold, put it that way. Because uh, I, I think when, when we saw that all of her family were invited to get up to Scotland as quickly as possible, I think the writing was on the wall. And it turned out in the evening, we got the announcement that she had indeed passed away. So that was the Thursday, immediately followed by 10 days of mourning, which took us up to the funeral, which has just gone this Monday. And, uh, and now the government gets a restart, I guess. So it has been quite the two weeks. Yeah, um, a lot has happened in a short space of time. Lots of history happening. Lots of history been happening for the past five years. Hopefully, it'll slow down at some point. Who knows? Well, I think we should probably start with. Uh, we'll, we'll start actually. I, I missed the day out. Then I, I retold the story of Monday where we mm. got the announcement. Tuesday, mm-hmm. where the new prime minister was officially inaugurated. Inaugurated, kind of. Um, and then, and then I went to Thursday when the Queen died. However, there was a day in between, and it was Wednesday. And so. And what now seems to be a developing pattern for this government, uh, they are not wasting time. So on no. that Wednesday, on that Wednesday, um, Liz got up uh, in Parliament and gave a speech and told us all that we would be getting our the the so-called cap would actually be a cap on energy prices because the government were stepping in to make mm-hmm. sure that on average nobody would be paying over two and a half thousand pounds a year for their energy bills for the um, next two so years. So just a quick clarification: it's two, it's twenty five hundred per bill. So it's twenty five hundred for gas, and it's twenty five hundred for electricity. It's not all inclusive for both, by the way. Indeed. Well, I tell you what, you uh, explain what the cap no, no. is, how they're funding uh, it. No, no, I was saying if you uh, want to, you know, go ahead. I did tell, tell, okay, tells all how it's being funded and and what it entails. So it's being funded by essentially a loan from the government to uh, energy companies, which will then be paid back by the taxpayer. So it's. A, it's a quote unquote cap, so the we the the um the public will be paying twenty five hundred, the government will be covering the rest, and then we will still be paying it back via tax anyway. So, no, that's how that's that, and it's it's being um marketed as a bailout for these companies. In what way are you bailing out companies that are posting record profits year on year, quarter on quarter, posting record profits? Five billion, six billion. You're taking um, public money to pay them. Absolute shambles, nonsense. And still, twenty five hundred or two thousand five hundred pounds for a gas bill is ridiculous. Mm. For most fam- for most homes and most families, I can think under any circumstances, unless you know you are using lots of equipment at home, i.e., people with disabilities who you know have much higher bills. Why in any sort of regular usage household would you be paying even close to, even half that amount of money? Ridiculous. Indeed. So I think it's important to note, it's a bit it's a bit convoluted the way it's explained because I... So yes, I, to, to, to confuse us into realising that it's actually just the government giving companies money, our money, and then we mm. pay for it. That's all that... I don't, I don't mean that part though. I don't mean that part. I just mean in terms of this whole two and a half thousand pounds thing. So... The, the cap, the next, so so periodically the energy cap is reviewed and it's, as a, you know, it's, it's turned into a big joke because it's supposed to be a cap. The cap keeps getting lifted and lifted and lifted by quite serious amounts. So at the moment, the cap 
is, uh, I believe, just under 2000 It's about 1900 and something pounds. And then when the cap is next raised, which will be next week at the start of October, it's going to be raised to 2500 What they're saying is, after that, they're making sure that that cap isn't going to move again for the next two years. But the thing is, this whole 2500 figure, it's not that everybody's going to be paying 2500 because a lot of houses won't pay that because it is still based on usage. That's sort of just the average. And I, again, this is how they've, it's just really badly explained. So obviously not everybody's going to pay that because it depends on usage. But what they're saying is even if you get up to that certain level, on average, typically nobody's going to pay more than that. Um, it is a shambles. I agree. Um, I am not, you know, obviously my politics, you know, anytime there's a, when it comes to, you, you know my politics, I know your politics, you know, massive calls for quick taxing and generally it immediately is going to make me suspicious. However, on this front, I have no qualms in agreeing with Labour that there should be a windfall tax call. Do you know what? I don't even think that there should I don't even think there should be a windfall tax. I think there should just be a cap. I don't care how much it costs you as a company, you as a company take on the cost because the windfall tax is essentially the same thing. But people don't I like most of um no no but most of no no but wait let me finish. A windfall tax I understand the the point is that you're you're taxing the profit. A windfall tax does not help people day to day because their bills are still rising cap them at a reasonable cost at your your prices that you paid last year that should be the simple cap Sim- and you keep it at that you're not entitled to make more money at when you're price gouging because the cost of a barrel of oil is continually falling and yet somehow you're charging people a ridiculous amount of money standing charges which is when you're um the cost of essentially just housing the gas and the electricity um feed into your ha- to your home have tripled it costs 1300 sorry 130 pounds to host the gas the um the gas reader in your house to accept gas even if you don't use gas so if you use no gas for the year you're paying the gas company 130 pounds then that's with scottish power make it make sense well it does make sense how does the windfall tax how does the windfall tax help me if i can sorry so 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 you're saying that instead of uh you know, taxing, uh, having a special tax on these on the energy companies. To uh, there should be there should be a just a straight. They should be told that they can't charge beyond a certain amount. But you're and you're saying it doesn't help people, but it does help people because the point is of the win. The point is if the windfall tax instead of the government. So so essentially, what's going to happen is going back to how it's going to be funded. So for the next six months to to cover the because as you rightly said, um, there's there's the cap and then whatever above the cap that the energy companies are charging the government are going to fill that gap and that's going to cost the government or taxpayers 60 billion pounds. That's just for the next six months. So, you know, if you scale that out, I know it's probably not going to be the same every six months because you've got winter and summer, but just say for argument's sake, you scale that out over a year, that's 120 billion over the next two years. And that's 240 billion potentially, um, obviously give or take a few billion, but you get the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the point is, is that instead of that 60 billion that it's going to cost the government to basically cover the gap over the next six months, a windfall tax would cover that gap, so the government wouldn't have to borrow that six billion from the markets. They just get that from extra taxation from these companies who are. And this is this is part of the reason why I don't have any qualms of it. Usually, I might have a few questions. The reason I don't have any issues with a windfall tax is because it's not simply that they're, they're increasing the tax on the profits. They're taxing profits that weren't even forecasted. Like the the, the profits that the shells and the BPs are making right now, they didn't even forecast these kinds of, it's, you know, for argument's sake, they said, okay, in 2022, 23, tax financial year, we're, we're expecting 5 billion. Um, cool, cool, whatever, go ahead with your 5 billion profit, whatever. But, they, but you know, they're getting 10 billion. And that's not, get what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. the, the profits they're making are, are beyond their even, beyond their wildest dreams. It's just like free money. Just, they, they are printing money and they don't know what to do. I think it was a, 
BP or Shell. It wasn't a current. Obviously, wouldn't it be a current CEO? Current CEO, even if they agreed, would never say that whilst they're in post. I think it was a former CEO of, it was either BP or Shell about four months ago, basically said what I'm saying now. Like, <laughs> they're getting so much money. They don't know what to do with it. Um, Lower the prices. <laughs> no, so what I'm saying is, so fine, they don't know what to do with it. Right, we'll tax it. So then instead of the government having to borrow, stick another 60 billion on the national debt to cover the gap, tax them at X percentage, and that covers the gap. That covers that covers the shortfall, is what I'm saying. So so you're saying work, you're saying a tax you... wouldn't cover, you're saying a tax wouldn't help. It would, because instead of borrowing that 60 billion to to fill the gap, mm-hmm. that's that 60 billion would come straight from taxing the old companies. And right. we as a country are not saddled with another 60 billion worth of debt on top of the 400 billion worth of debt which came from COVID, along with the extra 50 billion, which we're going to talk about later, which comes from Kwasi Kwateng's uh, massive tax giveaway yesterday. Again, but Rant even, if over. You do, if, even if you do all of that, if you still set the cap at 2500 per utility, people are still going to be paying astronomically, even if you are using that money to fund to fund to fund the um the gaps that will be created with with that gap with that cap. Sorry. You know, and reminder that to that 2500 is for um households. They've not yet still released any sort of support package for businesses which are getting quote, quoted £22,000 bills. When I went, to, and then in fact, let's give an example, right? So uh, a 22-person restaurant previously was paying £2,800 for their utility. That's so already we're talking about the cap is being set at what essentially a 22-person, a 22-person restaurant that is using an inordinate amount of um energy compared to a household that is what the the price cap is already being set at the previous cost of the last year and that person who was previously paying that amount of money is now being um, quoted twenty two thousand pounds and there's no help so the help package that we're being offered is already one insane if we think on you know post um pre pre all the drama in uh with um supply chains and oil and all the rest of it the amount the amount that we're being quoted as individual caps is ridiculous. One, two, the company the, um, businesses have not been offered any sort of support package whatsoever. We're three weeks in. This has been a crisis that has been ongoing since before Boris Johnson um, l- um st- completely stood down as leader of the Conservative Party, and he was telling us to buy a ten pound kettle. So I think part. Yeah, of- I think we just, I'm saying I hear what you're saying, but also let's put things into context. Two thousand five hundred pound is not a reasonable cap. One. No, I'm not saying it is. There's the um, paying paying the difference is not to me. It doesn't go far enough at mm-hmm. the end of the day because we're still handing these companies money, and the mm-hmm. my main issue is that we should not be handing companies. One, I do not believe in the privatization of um, of mate of um. Well, this—that's the issue, there, isn't it? No, because no, at no. the end of the day, no, no, no I'm not, I don't finish. mean in a bad way. Um, of na- of yeah, natural monopoly, of natural monopolies. Yeah. A train line is a natural monopoly. Electricity and gas are natural monopolies. Like, pro- like even BT is a natural monopoly. Like you're giving, mm. you're essentially. These are things that human beings need to survive. Water. Why are we allowing natural monopolies to be privatized? Because the whole point of capitalism and privatization is, you know, um, competition and rising to the top. If you give companies natural monopolies, there is absolutely no need for any of them to compete. They just work with each other to make sure that they can price gouge. That's how it goes. Well, uh, no, let's all make sure no one's offering less than £100. So then that way mm. we can always make sure that all of us are at least going to be getting that much money, which is what was happening with British Airways and Virgin in 2005. That's exa- that's what they were doing with their prices to America. 
and mm. these companies do this all the time so it's not just about that it's obviously about I, that's an ideological thing but really we have to really we're one of the only countries in the world that has privatized water Mm. So, so this is the thing though that's the thing uh, again it's, it's a question of ideology at the end of the day if you you either you either have you either don't have a problem with uh, utilities being privatized or you do it's one or the other so the thing is what your but what your your solution there can't work Why? as the system let me <laughs> let me finish the sentence your system can't work under the system as it is. Your what you're proposing can only work by just nationalizing everything. And fine, I'm not as I say, I'm not I'm not I'm not bashing that. I mean, I might not necessarily agree with it, but I'm not bashing it. But what I'm saying is, what you're what you're essentially saying is the government should be um, fixing fixing the prices because that's what it would be. And then at the end of the day, well, what's the difference between that and just straight nationalizing it? It's a question. There may be some. There may be a difference. I'm not like an expert on it. But what would be the difference? Would there be a difference between that and just might as well you just nationalize it? Then if you're going to do that, right? Would that be right thinking? Mm. Because that's what you're implying. You're basically saying um, no. The money, be, the money be, that we're spending on bailing the, bail, the money that them. we're spending on bailing them out. I mean, there is a cap anyway. Well, there's supposed to be a cap money, anyway. So I suppose yeah. you already have a, a, a level of price control supposed to be anyway. Yeah, I guess, which, but if the cap, if, yeah, but off gem clearly are basically pointless if the cap keeps moving. One, mm. the cost of this quote unquote bailout is is more expensive than um, just um, buying the company. Yeah, and nationalizing. No, it. no, no. Yes, so it was a, okay. No, let me. Okay. So, so, no, so no. So that is. No, so that is something that is, and this isn't has nothing to do with ideology, nothing to politics. It's just straight maths numbers. Okay, show me your maths. That is often Give no. So that is often touted. Um, oh, just just buy them out, just nationalize them. We can just do it. Well, the thing is, it's not as simple as that because the thing is, when you to to if you were to <laughs> nationalize these companies, France did it. No, but let me finish. And that, oh. again, people keep citing EDF. I'm not even going to cite EDF. I don't care about what any other me, country does it. Yeah, but let I, me, I, I believe we could control so we purchase why it's it. Wrong. You don't let even get any profit. Why it's it's ours now. Now what? Get out of the Can country. I, You're no longer able to operate here. Let me explain why it doesn't make sense. Because it's not a simple case of walking into one of these companies and saying, okay, government owns it now. It. Because people people just look at the sort of top line things. Um, okay, government are taking over the management. It's not as simple as that. You also have to buy all of their. All, you have to then put the money up. The country would have to put the money up for the assets, for the production facilities, which are everywhere. The the mm. the actual the actual assets which would run up to hundreds of or billions of. You buy no, the me, British no, arm of the country. Of yes, the it doesn't. It doesn't matter. What, what I'm trying to say is. People, I'm just it's simple. I'm simply making a point that this whole, this argument it's not as simple as people try and make out. It would cost hundreds of billions because you have to then buy out the assets. You, so, like I said, but if you okay, if you're willing to, uh, the national debt is uh, I think about about what, 1.4 trillion at the minute. If you're happy saying yeah, let's just na- double the national debt, then fine, cool. I don't, I don't think I most don't, people would be happy you, with that. I don't believe in the national debt in the way that you believe in the national oh. debt. Because, but just let me let, okay. me just give, let me just give you an example right now, right? For instance, our national debt is, um, you know, is much larger than it was ten years ago when we were about to when we were when, no twenty years ago even when we were about to go into the uh, global recession. It's larger than than it was then, and interest rates are much higher. And yet the government is lowering tax. However, when 
but money was basically free in the recession, we were doing austerity. So clearly the national debt doesn't actually matter. It's all about ideology and like pretending. Like it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that we're sat here pretending that the way that our government is coming through at things is practical and about the national debt. No, it isn't. It's about ideology and all of the things that they engage in have is not a, they don't like they do not care about the economy in the wider sense that you're 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 um, putting it in. Oh, we don't want people to pay more tax. You don't want certain people to pay more tax. You're not interested in how much tax somebody on nineteen thousand. Look, let me finish. I'm sorry. Let me finish. Let me well, finish. That's just you're not really interested in how much economics. It's not voodoo economics. What are you talking about? I'm talking about actual things that have, are happening currently in this government. What the end of the day is their approach to all of this is starts ideologically. That, that at the end, if the best thing like financially was to nationalize, whether we agree or not, if it was, they still would not do it is my point because ideologically then it's not about what is the best for the country. It's about what's the best for the country based on their ideology. We're currently entering into trickle down economics in 2022 when it has been debunked, you know, so many times, both um, ideologically and you can actually see it as it's been the um, economic policy for the past God knows how many years and has made zero difference. And yet here we are doing it again in 2022. So Coming at th these, the Conservative Party has been coming at our economy ideologically for the past twenty years, thirty even, and it is in the bin. And I think we're fa we're failing to look at it like that. They have the um, the way that we scrutinise their economic policy and the way that they deal with the economy is piss poor. And we do that because they've cultivated this idea that they're they're especially. Um, magical with the economy and the reason that the United Kingdom went into a recession is because of the Labour Party not a global recession so we have to stop giving the benefit of the doubt to these people it's ridiculous the amount of goodwill or benefit that benefit of the doubt that they're able to garner by virtue of just the colour of their politics is ridiculous they are not undergoing even the basic level scrutiny scrutiny their um, parliamentary picks and their ideology are not undergoing the basic levels of scrutiny when they are out here very clearly engaging in cronyism and handing our money over to their mates and we are poor We'll be here all day. Mm -hmm. But suffice to say, you're engaging in the same voodoo economics as flipping Quasi Quateng potentially did yesterday when we were on to that, if we have time later, in terms of his big speech, right? I don't you see that, how I'm engaging in well, voodoo economics. Give me how, explain that to me. Well, let me then. All right. Because you're there, you're there talking about, oh, you basically saying, oh, the national debt doesn't matter. Now, yeah, you might not have said those words. That's exactly what you just said. That's what you meant. So, no, the debt so, so you I... might not have said those exact words, but that's what you've meant. But that's not what I said. No, but you basically just I disregarded it. I don't believe in the national debt in the way that you do. I don't believe it's a, in the existence of a national debt acting like one, a, a country and a house in the way that you manage the debt are the same thing. They're not. You, who do you owe the money to? Yourself. I didn't say that's I, I I didn't bring out the house analogy. I don't I don't agree with that either. I think that's rubbish too. I do I wasn't saying that. But let me just let me just finish. Let me finish. And then you won't you then what I'm what you're disagreeing with, you'll find out is not what I'm actually saying. All right. So you basically just um implied screw the national debt, doesn't matter, it doesn't it's not it doesn't exist. We can just move on. Um well what happened yesterday proves that that doesn't work in real life. So what I mean is what happened yesterday, as soon as Flipping Quasi Quartin came out and said he's gonna 
give a give, flipping giveaway the house in terms of just all right, yeah, taxes. What taxes? Look what happened to the pound. The pound, the pound went from one point one point one two to the dollar dropped in a day to one point oh eight. That doesn't happen. That happened because the markets lost complete confidence, at least for at least for the time being, in this government's economic vision. So at the end of the day. Um, so that and then that has knock-on effects on everything else. So then that means then that the cost of government borrowing, the gilts have gone up. So it means it costs a lot more for the government to borrow. When you think that money, that money, it's not just free money. They have to then pay that money back at interest, and it's not them; it's us. So to pretend that what happened yesterday, he so he so that was just based on him, you know, removing the forty-five percent tax rate, um, him removing bankers' bonuses, him basically saying, uh, him removing the NI increase. That's how the markets reacted to that. How do you think the markets would react? to something much more expansive, like renationalizing the entire energy industry. Whether you like it or not, the markets would move to a crazy level and the guilt, basically the guilt being, uh, basically the cost of borrowing for the government would, would skyrocket. And that comes on us. That comes, then that increases that, then that affects inflation. Then that means that the inflation we're suffering now, 10%, probably goes up to 15, 20%. So you can't just pretend that. Um, just because you don't believe in what is it modern monetary theory in in terms of how the governments look at debt, just because you don't believe in it, it doesn't mean that doing something that drastic wouldn't have a profound effect on everybody's pockets. Just because you don't believe that in how you don't believe in 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 you know being so strict with the national debt, well, it has effects on people's pockets, whether you believe in it or not, because the markets are going to move a certain way. You can't do anything about that. That's what I was trying to say. That's it. But one last thing on there. Well, if you want to respond to that, respond. Oh, am I allowed? Well, yeah, I've, I've finished my train of thought. You've allowed me to finish fighting for once. So, they, so now, for yeah, go once? Ahead. Yes, no, for okay, once. Again, and as I said before, I think the way that you are, um, one, thinking about this, two, interacting with the idea of, um, government, of government debt is incorrect. I think I hear what you're saying about you know the the um the um the changes in interest rates and how that means the um the believe um the confidence in our money and how we would be uh, borrowing money. However, right, so what do you think? I think would well, let me so finish. What do you think would happen? Oh, what no, 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 I'm saying. So, but however, what you do in that situation, you sometimes you have to ride out the storm. You think Quasi Quasi's going to change his mind? Right, no, let right. me finish. You think Quasi Quasi's going to change his mind? No, if that's what you believe, you believe you ride out the storm. They see that you know in a year everything is still stable. Not even in a year, six months, everything is still stable. There's no rolling blackouts. People are able to afford their bills. The general standard of living remains the same, if not a little bit better. And the pound continues to rise. And then we and right. then. And and then we're able to sell electricity um to sell um um energy to other places if we want to and enter into that global market, you know there are options. But my thing is that we're we're not engaging in that. So it's this idea that yeah, if there's a temporary fall, but it means in the long term it's going to go back up and we're going to have a better standard of living across across the entire country. Not you know um five percent of the country, the entire country is going to benefit from this. Then I see that as a national good, and a national good matters more in the long run than the falling of the pound and the the, um, the fear of the markets because they want to strong arm strong arm strong arm you into nationalizing every um, i mean sorry into capitalizing and privatizing every single thing that they can so that they can get a bite at your industry you're living in the same you're living in cloud cuckoo land just like they are but you just the opposite direction it, you can but just the opposite cloud, direction you can call it call it cloud cuckoo land if you want to but maggie was making all that money selling off all our global selling off all our national assets 
And now we have none and we're in the shitter and people who believe in Thatcherism cannot even think of new ways to make up any money. So they're trying all these different things. But at the end of the day, the reason that Maggie made money is because she sold everything and now there's nothing left to sell. That's why, that's why we're in the situation that we're in. To end on a point of agreement, there are two issues here. There are short-term problems and there are long-term problems. I think we both agree on the fact that they, they, they need to figure out long-term solutions because what if things don't calm down in two years? Are we just going to have another two years of fixed prices and £60 billion every six months going down to, to the energy companies? So so I think we can agree on the fact that they need there there are the long term solution. This this is not a long term solution. We might disagree on we disagree on the short term or 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 the relative benefits of the short term solution that they're fixing. But I think we can agree the fact that they need there needs to be like proper structural changes. Obviously, your structural changes would basically be spending about two hundred billion to renationalize everything. Cool. Um, Remember, I yeah. did. I think, and I think, first of all, I think you're characterizing my view incorrectly. I said, in an ideal world, is what we should be doing. I said, the problem is that we have that, we, but that's not what I'm saying that the current solution is right now in this situation. So please, mm. like, let's not let's not characterize what I said as that because that's no, not that's what your I said. long term. Yeah, in the, in the grand scheme, I think that that yeah, would be yeah, that would be a good term. that would be a better thing. But right now, I'm saying that what needs to be done is that needs to be an actual cap on the, the yeah. on the on the, the the prices that is realistic. Most families in this country can't afford that amount of money. Is what I've said. No, no, no. I I was I wasn't saying that was your short term. I was saying that's your long term goal. No. I'm saying we both agree that there needs to be a long term solution. I'm saying yours is renationalizing. Mm -hmm. I'm I, yeah. I was just trying to end on a point of agreement. Okay. Mm, okay. Let's move on. Moving on to our next topic, last week, uh, I Corey thinks it wasn't unexpectedly, I think it was rather, the Queen died a couple of days after meeting her new Prime Minister, what ensued was then 10 days mourning, in which everything was closed, um, mm. well not everything was closed but things were, well the Parliament was closed, everyone else oh, yeah. was still working, and then on Monday we had the bank holiday where everything was closed, uh, doctors said, um, doctors' appointments and hospital appointments and surgeries were cancelled, um, trains were closed, mm. uh, you can, mm, uh, supermarkets were closed for half, some of them were closed for half of the days, some were closed for most of the days. If anybody went to the supermarket on the Sunday before, it was pure carnage, and then it was on every single terrestrial and free view channel that there was. What was? The funeral. No, no, I just think it's interesting. It was on Sky News, Sky Atlantic, Sky, all the other channels, BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, BBC Four, Channel Four. Not Channel, channel Four. Channel Five. Yeah, it wasn't Channel Four. It was Channel Five showed the. It was emotion. Channel Five showed something else. Yeah. Yeah, Channel Five showed something else. Uh, I think it's interesting that it you said. Yeah. I think it's monarchist. interesting. Yeah, uh, uh, that's that's a misleading statement. You don't think that you're right. a monarchist? I think that's a misleading statement. That's what I think. You, um, you I also think you talk, talk as of I also think, as a subject and bowing down to your leader. So I would definitely call you a monarchist. Rubbish. But I won't waste time disputing those falsehoods. Um, I think it's interesting though that you opened with we had the bank holiday and not that we had the state funeral. I'm not criticizing. I'm just making an observation. Interesting that you referred to Monday as bank holiday and not the state funeral. 
of the Queen. So yes, Monday we did have the state funeral of the Queen. The reason I say it was unexpected is because she was 96 and she's been having health problems for a few months. Like, that's why I said it's, it was, you know, you can't really say it's unexpected that she died. But yes, the Queen did die. We don't know why she died. I did find it very interesting, however, that there was a lot of speculation on the BBC. So, so on the day when they were talking about her health failing, it was clear that they also thought what we all thought that she was dying but obviously they couldn't say that until they had confirmation um i thought it was very interesting you had bbc one hugh edwards and whatever the other guy's name is who was on the tv all day as well as the resident royal royal expert um openly speculating about her having cancer now who for them that? yes they would yeah for, for quite a bit of the coverage on that thursday whilst during that thursday afternoon um i had a Yes, I was watching quite a lot that Thursday. Anyway, as I'm sure many of us were. Um, but yes, they were openly speculating uh, and talking about rumours of her having uh, cancer. And the when they've been talking about her having mobility issues over the past sort of year, 18 months, they were basically implied that there was a bit of a smokescreen. And I thought for them, for the BBC to be openly speculating like that tells bit, me that there's some truth weird. to it. Yeah, what tells me that there's no way that they're going to be openly speculating like that. Um, and repeatedly as well. You know, if it was a mistake, an offhand comment, they'd get something in the ear, somebody saying, don't say that again. But mm. they kept going back to it. Um, so that tells me there's something in it. That tells me they felt comfortable enough to uncouth, speculate about it. To be honest. It, it, it did, but at the end of... I mean, it did. Um, but um, as I said, that's for them to be being so open about it, tells me there's probably something to that. Obviously, we'll never we'll never probably know what her cause of death was. Um, well, yeah, not probably. We never will. You know, might, maybe in 200 years' time when they open the records or whatever. Um, but yeah, she uh, she passed away. And yes, it was. Well, I mean, it was something. It was the like. It was something that the likes of which we have never seen. Especially if well, if you're under 90, well, under 80, you've never seen a, a monarch die. You've if you're under 70, you've never seen a state funeral because the last time we had a state funeral was Winston Churchill in I think 65. That was the last state funeral we had. Um, so it was quite a spectacle. I think what Monday showed was that um. When's all, when all is said and done, um, and if we do continue to downgrade into a, a middle-tier country, uh, there's one thing the Brits can still pull off, and it's pomp and ceremony, because it was quite the spectacle. Um, yes, the, whole, the whole, not the just pomp, Monday, but everything the whole before. Thing, I mean, yeah, I do think the pomp I mean, and ceremony was very yeah, pompish ahead. and very ceremonial. It was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting to see, you know, because I think, like you say, is what is the one thing I do think that the British do well, and it and it's also one thing I will say is also really interesting to watch pomp and ceremony on the, you know, it's it's something to do. It's interesting. It's not something that you see very often, like you say, it's a state funeral. In general, stuff like you know when there are coronations or even like when there's the swearing in of presidents, all of that is pomp and ceremony which is, you know, part of the human experience of spectacle, which is interesting to say the least. Um, and I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said what you just said, because it saves me having to say it and you just then accusing me of being apologist for being a subject and on a, being an apologist for my I oppressors. I don't um, need, to, call, I don't need so, to, to, to accuse you. I've said it enough times that you know that's what I think. So, but you know. The fact that you just said what you said, Pompous ceremony is a force. It's interesting. No, 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 not that bit. Let me let me say what you actually said, which I would also say, but you, I don't have to because you said it. And the Mm -hmm. fact that you mentioned that spectacle is is important for the human experience. Those were your words on record. You just said it. 
And that okay. for me, and that for me, if I can explain why I would say that, but I'm thankful that you said it so I don't have to say it. That for me is part of my sort of response when you, because there's been a lot of, obviously people, have, it feels like we've had a lot of spare time and I, well, we've all, people have been debating back and forth everywhere about, you know, the benefits of monarchy and why we're having to go into this expense and what's all this elaborate show about the death and the funeral, blah, 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 blah. We should, we should have an elected and we should have a republic and we should have a president yeah, and all, all of that. So, but what I'm saying is amongst all of that, my, one thing that I think is that, um, and why, and people sort of seem very, especially Americans, very bemused and perplexed as to why the country reacted in the way it reacted. It's precisely for what you just said. But it's I think about, it's important it's to about point the, out it wasn't yeah, the country, me, how the country reacted. It was how the press reacted. Nobody saw how, of, most of the people didn't get to, but anybody, um, there was only one way that the country was allowed to react. Anybody else that reacted differently was uh, summarily, summarily dragged off the streets by the police. Yes, but because an important what, part, an important part of pomp and circumstance and spectacle is dissension, which was not allowed. And I think, like, let's be clear, that's part of that is also part of spectacle is the dissension. Often, right, so what I was trying to finish by saying was hmm. that that is important, and that and and to, so so people for people questioning why why people why people reacted the way they reacted. I'm not talking about forced reaction. I'm talking about genuine people who genuinely were distraught or confused or sort of wondering what happens next there's there's a reason why people feel like that way and it's because 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 who the queen was on everything that happened it's it's the only thing every every we have to have as you said a human experience and a shared human experience it's something that unites you as a country every country has their whether it's some countries have a founding story like america some countries have a founding myth you can also say like america other countries have their history, their symbols, and then countries like Britain have their people, in terms of and, and by people you mean the monarchy, uh, the monarchy, yes. And whether you, don't you like mean it the, or not, the, the regular British person. No, no. Let me let me just let me just finish the thought. Um, yes, the monarchy. Whether you you know whatever you think about it, either way, at the end of the day, most people in this country, if you ask them what unites them as a country, most people who actually believe in a united country obviously a lot of people don't but the people who do and who want to feel united as a country they're going to point to the monarchy and that and so so that's why going back to what you said about the human experience and the spectacle the reason why the spectacle is so important is because it it gives us something to channel our human experience into and in this case our british human experience and i say our obviously that's not everybody because you know not everybody wants to share in that but most people do most people or at least most people want some sense of unity some sense of unity as a community and then that fizzles out from community to city to country most people want that most people yearn for it and just in this case in our case it's channeled through the monarchy now you can say that shouldn't be it should be channeled through something else but as was we were talking about before in the previous story it is what it is it's channeled that way and that's why i think that explains that goes a long way to explain why people reacted the way they did it's not necessarily i mean yeah a lot of people just have love for this woman who they remember cool but a lot of people it's not necessarily her it's what she represents in terms of representing them but being an extension of them Again, you might think that's bonkers. Why do you think she she's an extension of you? But that's how a lot of people feel. And that's why people react to the way they did. Because we all need some kind of shared human experience. It just happens to be the case. In Britain, the most common shared human experience is the monarchy. So that's why I'm glad you said what you said. Because it sort of, maybe not ideologically agrees with what I'm saying, but it, 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 it logically agrees with what I'm saying, if that makes sense. Mm, I, I don't think it does, but... 
Um, anything else that you'd like to say about the Queen before we wrap up this segment? Well, I'll lay that out quite clearly and, and defensively and, and incontrovertibly, but fine. Um, I mean, no, I mean, we could say a lot about it. We don't have much time. I mean, we could talk about the, like you said, people being dragged away, you know, shouting, you know, basically different variations of not my king in terms of Charles. And there was that guy in Scotland when um, they... I think you'll find there were people stood with blank pieces of paper not saying anything, but carry on. No, there was a story of a guy chanting "Not my king." There were yes, other there was people also just people holding... stood in blank pieces of paper. Who yeah, yeah, I didn't say arrested. that was everybody. I didn't say everybody was. And you should be saying... able to say "Not my king" at, at you know at a, a royal procession. Why? Should, why not? I didn't. I don't disagree. <laughs> I don't disagree. I think it was outrageous that people were being dragged away. Um, you know, there was that story as well in Scotland when she was her body was being taken through the streets in Edinburgh, and this guy was heckling Andrew, and then you heard people basically spinning that as them being disrespectful and and heckling the the procession and heckling the Queen exactly. and heckling the coffin. They weren't. They were heckling. We're watching. Individual. We're watching his reputation be mm-hmm. washed in front of us because he's also being named as a, as an advisor to the king. So that's another thing as well. You that's, don't have no, 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 no. It is true because no, it wasn't true. It's how, it's how that's, why it wasn't true. No, 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 no. Because I understand that. How it was you don't let me reported. finish. It wasn't wrongly put. It's, it's it a, was. I, 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 in terms of how the succession works. It's the closest for people in terms of um, uh, relation and succession to um to them. That's how that works. And Andrew is um is to um Charles. That's how it works. I understand that it's um uh, a vehicle. Of, of succession, but he doesn't have to accept it. Charles does not have to accept it. He can choose somebody else and he hasn't. Okay, so two things. The it's first not advisor, thing sorry, a stand in for him for um, Charles when he's not away. So, councillor of state. So, yeah. there are six, I believe, six councillors of state basically who deputize for the monarch if they're either sick or not in the country. And yes, as you said, it basically is the spouse. So in this case, Camilla, and then the next, I think, six people closest in line to the throne. So two things there. Number one, your second point that you made about he could just say no, he actually couldn't. It would actually require an act of parliament. Then so make an it... act of parliament for your your. Are you you don't you don't think that that's a serious enough thing that he should make an act of parliament about like the same way that they made an act of parliament for primogeniture. It's dangerous, and considering the person and his reputation currently in this country the fact that that is not something that can be seen already shows that there's a glaring blind spot so let's just put it out there from the start i don't think that man should be in public life at all and so yet let's, here we he can is. agree his so we can agree is being laundered and he's very much yes. re-entered into public life so we can agree there however as i said it would require an act of parliament so it's not i'm just all i'm saying is it's not as simple as charles could just say oh no i don't want him to be council of state would actually require an act of parliament also and then it couldn't be initiated by Charles because then that then opens up the question of him being involved in politics. So it would have to be initiated by the government. And then that just caused that there's a whole heap more confusion that opens up. I'm simply saying it's not as simple as him saying, I don't want Andrew to be council of state. But the other point I was he trying to make... He can also tell how... Liz, I don't want Andrew to be... Like, I think it's not a good look for him to be a council of state. Shall we get that sorted? That I don't think it looks good for me or for you. Liz, mm, I think that I think so too. Bish bash so bosh. So the second point I was trying to make about how it was wrongly reported, it was reported as if, um, you know, Charles has reinstated Andrew as a council of state. He didn't reinstate him. He was already a council of state because he was already close in line to succession before. Basically, what happened was they just updated the list. So the only new person on that list was actually his daughter, because obviously now everybody has been moved up a place. So his daughter, who was the first one off the list, has now been moved to the bottom one on the list. That was the only actual new person. But it was reported, again, I just don't like, 
I don't like when we're gaslit and we're being gaslit by people basically saying, oh, Charles has appointed him as a new council of state. He's not appointed him as a new council of state. He was already a council and of I state. Ex- and I think I ex- I pointed out very clearly yeah. that I don't think he appointed him. It's that it's a mechanism yeah. of succession. I made yeah. that very clear. However, and, and, just because it's a mechanism of, of succession, there are lots of things that are mechanisms of succession that if they have no, no longer been beneficial or they've wanted to move with the times, the, the, the monarchy has um, gotten rid of them, including using acts of parliament. This is a, as another such occasion that that's something that should be done, is what I'm saying. There is no <laughs> way that we should be allowing the laundering of this man's public image. And the fact that you can't call out a dirty old man as a dirty old man and get hauled off by the police already shows that there's very much an active measure to launder his um, reputation in this mm. very much. Yeah, I, I don't think there is. I think I, I don't think we'll see him again. Not. No, no, I don't. No, no, I'm saying I don't because I I don't think they I think they're they're not stupid enough to to keep him. A, I don't think we're past the. I don't even think we'll probably he'll be at the coronation. Probably he won't have any kind of role. But beyond that, I don't think we'll see this man again because I don't think they're stupid enough to. These people are about survival, and that's why we're not a republic yet because that family are experts at survival, and another and and so because they're experts at survival, there's no way that that man is ever going to be seen in public life again. Right? Okay. It won't be. It won't be. Okay, let's see. Um, and and I said I wasn't saying you were reporting it wrongly. I said it was being reported wrongly. I wasn't accusing you of it. So you know, wind your neck in. I was I saying it, I just don't in. like how we're being ga- I just don't like when people, you know, people are being whipped up by fake news. I just don't like that. That's what I was saying. Okay, well, I'm not being whipped up fake news. I didn't, I didn't say you were. I just said other people were trying to whip us up and say you were being whipped up. Okay. Indeed. Right. Well, um, there's much more I guess we could say about that, but uh, we'll leave it there. We'll probably come on. We'll probably come back to this. When the coronation takes place, which is likely to be next June, oh, when King Charles the Third, when King Charles the Third is officially crowned, I'm sure we can then continue so it's our. It's going to be so interesting to be living then. in the reign of another Charles, in full of economic strife and political turmoil. So exciting! I mean, the last time we had a King Charles, we the last time we had a King Charles, we had a plague followed by twenty years of Renaissance. So we've had our plague. Hopefully, our twenty years of Renaissance will come. They're more looking more like twenty years of recession, but you know, fingers crossed. London also burned down. Hopefully that doesn't repeat as well. I should say that as well. Last time we had a King Charles Day. Okay. Mm. All right, guys. I guess we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotBanePod. And if you're listening on iTunes and you enjoyed what you heard, rate us five stars. It helps us get up the rankings. If you didn't enjoy it, ignore everything I just said. 